Oh, but I guess we should talk about like why we're doing this segment and then right. put that at the beginning. Right. Right. Because apparently you've seem you seem to like you've tried to start various manga cast imprints almost. Right. Like, <laughs> the Kure no Maki imprint, the other the sports one, right. Sama cast. Right. It used to be its own show and now it's like an imprint. Exactly. Right. I don't know exactly why I decided to do this. Outside of the fact that when I went to when I went to book off, uh-huh. I ended up just running into a, a bunch of really random books, obviously, right. you know, un, untranslated. And you know, I was I was wondering they just have a sh- they just have a real lot of volume there. I mean, a lot more than even Kinokuniya in San Francisco. Uh, so I was re- yeah. I mean, I was really really impressed by the fact that they had a whole little veranda floor, a mezzanine floor dedicated. Just to manga. It used to be the other way. It used to be the manga was on the first mm-hmm. floor, and actually, it seemed like they had they used to have more. Oh wow! And then they sort of switched around. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it also, I was talking with someone who they had like this theory, like maybe the book off in New York gets things that don't sell at other book offs. Maybe. But that means that means you get a really weird assortment of titles. Exactly. Like, just totally out there stuff, yeah. and some of it has been there for many years. Right. It's like the guy who I was shopping with was like. I checked, and this is the same book that's been here for every four years right. since I've come back here and looked, and it's always here. Yeah, no, no, no. They had some really, really weird, weird books. I mean, I, I bought, I bought like about sixty dollars worth, and a lot of those books are just a. They have a huge one dollar section at the. Did you buy sixty dollars worth of one dollar manga? About forty bucks worth of one dollar manga. I ended up walking out uh, <laughs> with with huge bags, and I actually recorded the podcast when I got out of there. Uh, I had a real hard time walking around because I had to go to the airport. Did you have to pay an extra fee because your luggage? No, 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 but I did buy another bag just to put the stuff in. You know, just just running into all this stuff, and it was some of the, some of it was just so random, like you were like you were saying. And I wondered, you know, who would read this stuff in the U.S.? Obviously, nobody is in New York, outside of maybe myself. And you know, I saw some couple of weird books at, at your place. And uh-huh. at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm noticing some other blogs are talking about things that won't sell here in the States. So I wanted to actually take that and then make this kind of like a little bit of an educational type of thing, giving people a taste, a sample of just the extremes that are out there. Obviously, this isn't necessarily ex- an extreme manga. This isn't any- anything ex- you know, very unusual. You do run into salary manga all the time, but I think this is a, a good primer just because it's about, it's about manga. <laughs> Yeah, I, was almost, I was thinking about um, putting together a panel eventually, probably not this year, but something that just shows people like how diverse manga right. is in topics compared to even like compared to what gets important here and compared to like American manga. Yeah. I mean American uh, comics in scope. Right. Manga is ridiculous. Right. Where it gets into like you know like that biography of. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, Warren. Yeah, Warren. Um, Warren. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, it could be it could be you can have you know, you can have biographies of of CEOs and you can have you can have golf manga, which is what you know, we possibly will look at next week with uh, or, or one title that's really popular in Japan that really blows my mind is Ocean Road of the Gourmet. Which right. is just essentially about right. tasting food. Right. Which it makes more sense if you've been to Japan, or you realize the place of food in Japanese culture. Right. But as an American, you just kind of blindly find out. So there's this manga about this guy who tastes food professionally, and uh, it's 
hundreds of volumes long, and it's been running forever. Yeah. And there's a cartoon series based on it, and a live-action movie. Yep. It's mind-boggling. It's yep. just about food, and that's yep. it. And it's it's mind-boggling to find out that that's like part of a this whole sub-genre of manga that's only about cooking or food or yep. gourmet things or eating or restaurants. Like when you watch when you watch the Iron Chef in America, it's this ridiculous show where you're just like, how can a show like this? even exist it's mind-blowing to watch iron chef for the first time and be like good god this is what this show is about and then you realize in japan like that's just one of many competitive cooking or eating shows it's kind of -of run-of-the-mill actually yeah it's bizarre it's that interesting sort of culture cultural difference are there manga cookbooks yeah yeah i mean someone you, you can someone's bringing one over you can exactly yeah um Manga University is bringing one over. You know, Addicted to Curry has a manga cookbook that accompanies the the manga series. Things like that is they're just commonplace over there. You know, it's not unusual to run into a cooking manga. It's not unusual to pick up a manga just about the Tokyo fish market, like Mechakian. Uh, you know, you, you can have manga about practically anything vikings you know vinland saga you know about you know the police department the fire department you know archaeologists (laughs) uh you know nurse manga is 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 popular veterinarian manga yeah it's warren buffett yeah warren buffett yeah um (laughs) you know it's veterinarian manga anything anything could be a a manga and you know i think I think that's basically what I want to I want to do with this. You know, just give people a, a look at what what manga can be and what manga is, what manga you're missing out on right now. And I don't necessarily think that at least this market is really ready for <laughs> ready for <laughs> all of this <laughs> uh, because you know publishers would be losing money hand over fist. But right, that uh, might be a bit ridiculous. <clears throat> Although it's sort of, it's kind of there's a sort of manga bubble going mm. on right now is how I think of it, where people are sort of rushing to license these titles and it's the hot thing in publishing right now. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I assume eventually that bubble will burst, but we kind of saw it with the anime industry a couple of years ago. As there was suddenly, in in 2002, anime had reached this kind of fervor of popularity where people were picking up titles that I never thought would get licensed at all. It was like a ridiculous, like, like, a gold rush thing. Where one of the most boring shows I downloaded, Piano, Melody Blue, oh, right. it was just really boring slice of life, but not in that way, like, it's fetishized or something like right. some slice of life titles. But I was just like, good God, like, this would never make it over to America. And it got, it totally got licensed. Right. Like, the next year. And I was just like, what the hell? And it was just because people were licensing things hand over fist to get whatever the next thing was that came out, and it was everyone was sort of rushing to pick up these things. Right. And then it kind of, then people backed off where they sort of realized, wait a minute, we've paid all this money for this stuff, and it's not actually selling as well as people said it would. And now they've really kind of backed down on the anime licensing because there's not actually that much money in it. The market is only so big, mm-hmm. there are only so many anime fans. You can make new anime fans, and it happens, but people weren't making the kind of money back that they expected. So now people are slower to license things, they're more hesitant to get like niche titles. I don't think we're going to see bartender come over anytime soon. Right. Although it'll almost be more li- likely to like like yakitake Japan. Yeah. Like bread baking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really surprised when that got picked up, and I'm like, wow. But it is like a shonen. Is it a shonen jump title? It's a shonen Sunday title. Shonen Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I guess that's a big publisher, and it was pretty yeah. popular in the fan sub community. Mm-hmm. People were like, wow, this show is pretty hilarious. 
So I suspect that if the manga does well enough here, they'll probably bring the anime over. Right. Or there's almost like this reverse effect, like publishers here look to see, oh, is there an anime of this show? Mm-hmm. I mean, is there an anime of this manga? And if there is, they're more, much more likely to pick up the manga. Because mm-hmm. you get that weird reverse fandom where people have heard of the anime, and then they'll read the manga. Right. And I do that too. I'm like, oh, that's an anime title. We'll see how, how that end up. How that how that will end up working. I mean, it's kind of funny to go to panels and to go to conventions and hear publishers and buyers and and like talk about you know what they want to see in manga. You know, like they want to see a lot more kids manga. I want to see a lot more women's manga. I want to see a lot more you know, non-fiction. No one's yeah. They want regular people to read it. Like right. right now, most manga readers are teenagers. Right. The scope of manga is so much beyond that in exactly. Japan. But it's just the way that the market is in America right now. You have to fight over a pile of teenagers to get to yeah. the bookshelf. And I think that's really the point right now. I mean, obviously, you know, we started off with with with, with a title that isn't. We're starting off with a title that isn't necessarily, you know, for everybody right now. Is possibly won't necessarily work in in the West right now. But I think I think with this with this program, we'll possibly touch on some of those uh, titles that should be given a look definitely could have an audience out there even if it's very specific you know it just gives you a little bit of the scope a little bit of a range of what is out there and you know, maybe someday we'll be seeing not not just this stuff coming over but maybe even we'll end up seeing comic artists in the west and, and other places Making that type of, of manga, making the sh- the chess manga, the shogi manga, you know, making the. I mean, I thought it was really cool just to see Boys of Summer, you know, baseball comic. How often do you see that, you know, something like that being done in America? Yeah, the artist. Uh, yeah, the artist right. is Japanese, but you know, it's 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 just a little it's a little different. Once manga does really make it big out here, we'll we'll start to see that. I don't know. What should you What are you gonna call? I am thing? thinking of calling it. I got this. I was inspired by reading um, Shizuki's uh, Shizuki Yamashita's blog, and she uh, she is uh, one of the editors for Broccoli Books, and uh, we actually met her in New York. She was reading she was reading a, sho- a shoujo title. She, it's a title that she's been following for for a while. I believe it's by the same artist that did uh, Baby and Me. It's, it just it just moved her so much that she said, "This is the women's romance, Loman." Women's romance. Basically, I've, I've I often end up saying that to, to to Jared as well when we do mockies. You know, no, no, no. You know, this is the men's <laughs> the men's romance. You know, so I wanted. So I was thinking, you know, this, these titles are definitely obscure and and they, they bring out passion, intensity of, of emotion to people when they read it, especially if they're really interested in, in these these genres, these sub subgenres. So I wanted to call this romanga. This is the stuff that will definitely make you cry. The tears of joy when you read it but unfortunately you know, you'll be crying because you'll be paying off out the ass to get a hold of this stuff possibly the only way you can get it is by importing it or you know BitTorrent. but <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. obviously some of this stuff is so obscure you might not necessarily find it online either i've only really found never like the most yeah. mainstream titles or titles that if they're by an author who's really famous right. then it tends to get translated or it's historically important to Yowie, so we don't it's translated. <laughs> no one's translating, like, for my demographic, that's like, I want to read the craziest possible topic about the most obscure thing. No one's like, all right, we're translating this right. crazy crap. Right, I mean, it, you, you wouldn't find Koika's golf manga scanlated. I mean, that's, that's just not going to happen. No. I found another really good golf manga at Book Off. Uh, it looked like a gangster guy playing golf. <laughs> it's great. It has him, like... 
training, uh, <laughs> has a flashback to when he was a kid and his dad makes him play golf, like, in his underwear, in the rain. Oh, Lord! And in the snow. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's Romanga, man. That's, that's, that's exactly what that is about. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. No, it's just like, take that, Tiger Woods. <laughs> Pretty awesome, but it doesn't have the photo realism. Oh, right. The photos included, like the Koike. Right. Manga. Yes, golf manga. Golf I don't manga. know if raw manga gets across what you really want to get across. It makes it sound like it's romance. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. We, we might have to think about it then. King of Editors uh, was released in 1994. It started in 1994 uh, and was released by Shogakukan uh, under their big comic imprints. And actually, the, the volumes that you have, Aaron, um, yeah. those are Shogakukan uh, Bunkobong. So these are these are the pocket size collections. Uh, like a reprint. They're a reprint, yeah. They were do they rep- only, uh, do, they only do that for like really popular titles? Uh, it usually is for the it's usually done for the popular titles as well as for the the titles that have some type of uh, of a following. I mean, more often than not, if if a title still has some type of readership out there, about five years later, sometimes even sooner, uh, a, a bunko bunk could be released. I mean, a good example of of, of these are you know Urusei Atsura has had these done about two or three times. At the same time, when high school girls went on hiatus for a while because it changed magazines, uh, it was released oh. in the Bunko Boom, like right in the middle of its run. And then uh, a new a new print was was done, which is why the the new covers from DR Master look so different because they're they're using the new the new designs used on the uh, Bunko Boom. Oh, okay. But the original titles on high school, uh, the original covers on high school girls, they were Ex- changed in the exactly. First Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but I, d- I picked up at Book Off over the weekend like a smaller version of mm-hmm. Swan in mm-hmm. Japanese, and it's the same kind of smaller yep. Yep. print. That's a bunkabun. What kind of comics does Shogakukan, or what magazine is this from? Yeah, I'm not. I don't remember if this is from uh, Spirits or Superior, but this is definitely uh, uh, a seinen type of magazine. I mean, Possibly come out every okay. week or every two weeks, uh, marketed for uh, you know adult males. If you were to look at the book itself, flip through it. Uh, I'm pretty sure you did. Mm-hmm. It definitely has uh, a slight. Obviously, there's a lot of humor to it, but it also has a slight salaryman feel to it, and uh, that that is the target audience of the big comic. Uh, reader, D- depending on if they're starting off at Spirits, uh, they're transitioning from college age to you know into the workforce. But most big comics are definitely for the older male. Okay. Do you know what what else the author's done? You know, or? I I actually haven't looked it up so much. I the ol- only thing I know that Sek 
that say ki suchida has done is henshu henshuo i'm also interested in knowing if the kanji in the title if there's any interesting things about it like <laughs> It has the double meaning or some kind of... Uh, you know, it, it possibly, it could be, it could be a pun. Uh, hen obviously is, is weird. It could be a pun for weird. Henshu hen is okay. editor and O is king. Shu is the same shu that you see in Shueisha. Okay. And uh, a lot of people might not know this in the West, but Shueisha actually was spun off of Shogakukan uh, a real long time ago. Which <laughs> is kind of <laughs> funny because now Shueisha is doing a lot better than Shogakukan, at least in terms of popularity. Yeah, and then obviously, oh, is is king. Um, you know, it really depends if you if you're looking for, you know, something if you're in there. For exactly. Action. If I, did you get a chance to even look at the original covers for this? I mean, not the Bunkabun covers. The original covers are 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 ridiculous to say the least. They no. they're drawn in a very realistic uh, manner, not not quite as cartoony as the ones that uh, are on the Bunkabun version. Basically, you have close-ups, uh, little portraits of each of the characters uh, in, in the manga, each each volume having a different face. And they're drawn with tremendous amount of detail. And the, the, the importance here, the focus on each cover is to get that specific type of emotion, that characteristic that each one of these characters has. For, for example, on the first on the first volume, main character, uh, Ganpachi Momoi, who actually started off as a I guess we can talk about the series a little bit. Mo- Momoikun, at the very start of the series, is talking to one of his, uh, I believe it's his, uh, his brother, or maybe he's just like an Aniki type. As kids, they're walking, they're walking home from school, and they're all reading Ashita no Jo. And if you if, if you're not familiar with Ashita no Jo, this is this is possibly the quintessential boxing manga. Actually, quintessential sports manga. It's about a guy who started off basically in the dumps. Uh, crawled his way out of the gutter literally uh, and out of jail to become you know a tremendous boxer he struggles all the way through and nothing is handed to him it's just him and his talents and his, and his determination ganpachi when he ends up reading this as as a young kid he he he's determined to one day live in a life live in a world of ashita no jo and he actually he actually realizes this by one day actually becoming a boxer Flash, fast forward a, a bit, maybe about like 12 years or so, and the guy is actually uh, about to realize his dream. He is in a championship match. He's up against the, the best uh, fighter in the world, uh, this, this, this huge guy from the U.S., and he's about to land his, like, his, 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 you know, his ogi, his, his, uh, his ultimate move, uh, the, the cross counter, which is something that you would possibly see in practically every sports manga and almost every uh, almost every Gundam spinoff as well. The two forces are about to land, but unfortunately, the the American is is much longer, much ta- taller, much more powerful. He ends up knocking out Ganpachi. Ganpachi's retinas are dislocated. He, he's forced to retire from boxing. And you think that the kid, you know, this young man is now ruined. You think he would he would be like sent into depression? Well, he he actually he is. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but fortunately, he does have someone in his in his life. He has a friend who gives him a little bit of motivation. He tells him, you know, you you have this. This, this unique talent, and you've always had this unique talent, and you've always wanted to live a life of Ashita no Jo. Well, maybe, see, maybe why don't you check out that life from a different perspective, maybe not live the life of a boxer, but fight your battles behind the desk, behind the, de- behind the desk of an editor, 
And as such, he was motivated enough to join the publishing ranks as a, as a part-timer. And now he's working for Weekly Shout Magazine, one of the, the highest-selling seinen uh, magazines out there, very similar to to kind of like spirits uh, or the magazine that this is supposed to be printed in, uh, written for mature readers, uh, salary man, you know, adult male romance titles, you know, things that would make make people you know cry because the drama the drama is so thick and, and, and so intense. And pretty much the you know, this, this story takes off from there. Uh, so when you when you right. look at, at at the cover art, at least the original cover art. You have this image of Ganpachi. You can't tell if he's about to cry or if he's about to yell or if he's, or or if he's just shocked or something. His teeth are sticking out. He's got brows is is all wrinkled up, uh, but he's got this intense look on his face, and that is exactly what you get to see of, of Ganpachi throughout the you know the, at least the, the first two volumes that we took a look at. Um, you, this is a guy who is a he really knows what good manga is. And he really wants to be able to share that with with with, with you know, his readers, with everybody, with the world. And he wants that to be expressed from top to bottom, from from the creation process to the final product right when you're reading it. He does this. But does he mention like other manga titles besides Asha no Dora? Is that's, it just like that's this one it. Title that is. Thing? That that is that is it at the start, and then later on you, you you do get a couple little hints here and there about other things, but it's mainly Ashita no Joe that ends up driving him basically insane. <laughs> you know, okay. uh, you know, eventually he ends up actually getting a job, and he he has to go out and start helping real editors, uh, you know, with their work. Sometimes showing up at people's uh, at artists' houses, picking up manuscripts or you know final proofs and the like. And you know, when he flips through this stuff, if he doesn't see that it's that it lives up to his standards, he doesn't he he, he does not shy away from telling people that you know this is crap, which is what you get to see in in one of these uh, one of these pictures you end up sh- uh, sending me. Um, the the first picture has an image of. Uh, it almost looks like Tezuka exactly. like ripping up. Exactly. Manga. Actually, the Ganpachi's uh, editor, uh, mentor editor is telling a story about you know what can happen if we do confront an artist. So, you know, artists they're very particular. You know, they they, they take pride in their work. Uh, they usually feel that their work is uh, you know the best it can possibly be. So this editor, I believe his name is Omoe. Yes, Om uh, Haru Hiromichi Omo uh, Ome. Okay. Who is the the head editor uh, for this for this magazine? He recalls a time when he's when he ended up seeing creator uh, a, a guy by the name of uh, Harahashi. You know, he was told that his that his latest manuscript was boring by an editor. So the so oh. so the the sensei the artist ends up flipping out. He ends up completely f- freaking out. He ends up ripping up the manuscript and he says he was never going to work with these people again. It was over. That was it. That was the end. He was so passionate about what he was doing that he, he wasn't he was not going to continue it if those working with him <laughs> told him that it was not to the level that he was uh, that, that he felt it was at. And you know if you read this particular chapter, this is exactly what Ganpachi is going to do with this other mangaka. This okay. this other mangaka has has been working in the business for for a little bit too long. He's gone soft. Is this the guy who they they go to his yeah. house and it's his his wife or someone answers the door and then she kind of opens this room that's completely filled exactly. with Exactly. Exactly. Actually actually this okay. is kind of like his his girlfriend. Uh, earlier on in, in, in the in, in the in that arc, 
uh, you end up going to this guy's house, and uh, actually the, the the artist acts like he is the artist's agent. Uh, he doesn't want to let he doesn't want to let the people in the publishing house know that he, th- this this is the real dude uh, and this is his big ass mansion. Uh, he wants he kind of he's kind of playing people. You know he's he's trying to test them out for for who they are, see 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 what what their what their deal is like. Even though he's been working with them for a while, and his his writing has gone well. It's gone soft. It's gone limp. Mm-hmm. Later, Ganpachi ends up confronting these people. He ends up going straight to the office, to the studio, where he where exactly where he runs into the guy's basically his girlfriend, who's just hanging around drinking, playing video games, and in the back there's this secret little room filled with manga, and that's where that's where the the artist actually does his work. All of those books in there are the artist's books, and some of them are actually manuscripts oh. that he's worked on. But it's rather it's a a it's a of lot of manga. It's, like not, it's not just lining the walls. They're like bookshelves sticking exactly. out in this ridiculous exactly. way. Exactly. Th- beyond a library. Okay. And, 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 that's, and that is what makes him, when he ends up realizing that, yeah, he's, you know, after creating so much work, after being loved so much, you know, he kind of has lost that, that love, which is why in that next picture that, you, that we have, you know, he's crying. He says, you know, this, you know, I really love manga, is is what he says, <laughs> and 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 he he's ashamed that he's let himself, you know, get to this point where he's just making it, you know, he's just making it for the for the money, he's just making it because he's an artist, you know, he's lost that connection to what he was so passionate about, and Ganpachi was the guy who ended up, you know, bring reminding him of that fact. You know, he had to have someone tell him that. Dude, you, you're slipping. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I I like this page because it's very typical of many scenes within uh, at least these first yeah. two volumes where essentially someone like breaks down and <laughs> exactly. cries in a full splash exactly. page saying how much. They exactly. Well, so that's that's the point because you know you, you have you have people who were basically obsessed, right? I mean, the, the, the you you have Ganpachi who his life revolved around one manga. Right, and you have on the other side, you have yeah. you have an editor. Actually, the, you, if you see on the third panel on on the on the left, there's the editor with the glasses that Ganpachi actually is uh, following around. This guy is only doing it for the business. He hates manga. Oh, the kind the of fat dude guy. with the glasses. He hates manga. Yeah. He, he he he. It's around him at all times. He doesn't give a crap anymore. You know. He, he, but but he is starting to see. That there's something else to this. That there, that people are so passionate about this, you know, that even he gets mo- moved by all of this. He kind of gets. He kind of gets caught up in it a little bit. I mean, and then, you know, following the the panels in that page, and you see that last panel with Ganpachi just just kind of laughing, and he says, you know, that 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 is the truth. That is the truth. Is what he says at the end. You know that. <laughs> you know that's I mean, that's exactly what this manga is about. It's just about bunch old dudes in their twenties and their thirties, forties, just just loving something passionately and not being ashamed about it at all. Which is why on the, on the next page you have something that that uh, that just personifies that to a complete to a complete extreme. Gampachi is basically. Uh- I like to go into the scene a bit with the with the puppies because it's really weird. Like, <laughs> the whole story about the uh, you get you get the story where he goes to the guy's house and whatever reinvigorates his love for manga. And in the next scene, you get there's sort of a break, whatever, between the chapters, 
And the next scene you get is Ganpachi is reading manga that's in the recycling right. pile outside of his house, as yep. you do. And a business-looking guy, who I'm not sure if we know from earlier or whatever, drops off a tr- sack of garbage and then kind of leaves. And when he does, suddenly the garbage moves and a, a puppy's paw right. breaks through the plastic and Ganpachi saves these puppies, like three of them, and he runs after them and try and give them back right. or something. And is totally unsuccessful. So for the rest of the manga, Ganpachi is carrying <laughs> these right. three puppies around in his right. coat. He takes them yep. to work. They follow him into the <laughs> bathroom. And it's sort of like to drive home that he, he's a good guy. He would save some puppies. But the meanwhile, the man who threw them away in this next panel, he's actually he kicks the exactly. puppies in the bathroom <laughs> to, to sort of just drive home the point. Like This is the most cliche way we can show how evil character <laughs> is by showing them kicking exactly. the puppy. <laughs> Which is funny because, so there's there's Peach Girl, and then there's this other new spinoff manga, Size okay. Story. And my friend Allison picked up Size Story in a bookstore, and she's like, I hate Size. Size is so evil. I bet she would kick a puppy. And she flips through Size Story, like volume two right. or something. Sure enough, there's a panel there's a panel randomly where Sai is throwing her, like, book bag, bookcase yeah. thing, at a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I didn't think you were right. <laughs> like, that thing would actually come yep. up. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but I mean, but here it is. It's so it's so powerful that it literally forces Gampachi to yell out "fuck" in huge font. I mean, you know, and he's in English, and to and to make yeah. the image even more emphatic, he's buck naked. He's, he's totally, totally naked. naked, and he's been and he's been standing on the toilet seat up to this point, which is sort of distracting. But maybe more importantly, who is this guy who is kicking yes. puppies? This is the head editor of this publishing house. So he, so he turns <laughs> around and he says, so, so, so what is it now? What is it now? What is it now? Publisher, publisher man is what he says, you know, head publisher. And, and, and he demands to get answers from him. Omoe is, is the, in there in the room with him. He's. I, I think the guy's completely flabbergasted because he's on one side he's got his boss, on the other side he's got you know a naked newbie with with a with <laughs> three puppies in the room. Uh, this this doesn't make any sense. And then if, if if on the next page, I think if I remember correctly, Ganpachi runs out naked into the hallways. He's still. Uh, he's still. Yeah, he. Yeah, he still wants questions. And then the president of the company walks in. And she gets to see the spectacle for you know all its worth. <laughs> okay. Oh, so that's who she is. Um, so is the guy with the glasses like is he higher yeah, in yeah. rank than she is? Um, or? No, no, no. He 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 works for her, which is why he he comes up to her, he shakes her hand, uh, he tries to he tries to make this uh, well, he, he tries he tries to he tries to smooth this thing this thing out, but it doesn't necessarily work. And unfortunately. Uh, you know, this this ends up creating quite a bit of drama early on, with with Gampachi having to really, really, uh, well, he, he's gonna he's gonna have to learn how to control you know his passion. Uh, he's gonna have to <laughs> express it in different ways. Unfortunately, when you're dealing with someone like this guy, I mean, he's a he's a former boxer, right? Sometimes it ends up uh-huh. his feelings end up coming out in in possibly the worst possible way, which is why on the next picture that you showed. He's fl- he, he flips out in, in, a, in a violent way. He completely turns over uh, the table it. filled with food, drinks on his bosses, essentially. You know, because he, he he can't stand this. He can't just create or help create manga that is not worthy. You know, he can't just make stuff 
this particular chapter, this particular arc, is about a, a series uh, that is being created by by a, I mean, by an artist who's basically just been signed up because he's he's the he's the latest greatest thing. I mean, he's he's like yeah, he's a really yeah. young kid. Like he's younger than all the uh, yeah. actors and stuff. And you know, he's he's a hot commodity. They just signed him up to to work on a property that's that that hip and and trendy. And eventually, you end up realizing that he didn't even want to work on this title. You know, this is a kid who wanted to work on something else, something a little edgier, something that was going to actually expand his his abilities a little bit, maybe you know, show a little more range as far as what he's able to do. And only through Ganpachi and only through Omoe, you know, is he able to do that. If it were up to everybody else around the table, nah, he'd he'd be he'd be working on that title for maybe you know, 15 more volumes or so. Who knows? But yes, it's not a very successful sort of business dinner yeah. where where one of the employees ends up turning the hot pot table yeah, exactly. completely. It's bad news. But see, in the next picture that we've got, you know, the, even the the head editor understands that sometimes you might have you know renegades among them, rebels, people com- coming off the off the handle. Sometimes they they might even provide him with some good ideas, which is why you have this very intense scene with Ganpachi and some of the and two of his his mates, you know, walking away basically into the into the sunset and in huge in huge font, Inda Omaitachi. That is you know that's good, you guys. But the the head editor is just burning up in that in that panel. F- fists is clenched. You know, flames of hell are behind him. Is you know he's got the glasses on going on as well. I mean, it's 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 just darkness. It's really ominous. You know something's gonna go down between this guy and, and Gampachi in the future. It's it's it, it doesn't look it doesn't look very good. The next the, <laughs> the next picture is I, I I don't even remember this thing, but this is this is just. This is just hilarious. Uh, this is another one of the editors at a weekly shout, and this guy is is just ecstatic about the humanism that he is seeing in in his manga. You know, every single obviously every single editor has 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 their has their own titles that they that they work with, their own artists that they work with. This guy is so passionate about about what he works. On you know he's crying tears of joy about mm-hmm. you know the fact that his artist has realized to his fullest potential he did just exactly what this guy what this editor wanted to see, and this this is beginning to show you know it's not always about what the artist puts into into manga it's you know it's it's that give and take sometimes and this guy is getting a lot more than he possibly should uh, which is why the the title of of uh, of, of this chapter is that the dream never ends. You know, so is is it the dream of the the editor? Is it the dream of the artist? The dream of the reader? You know. That's, that's oh, in this chapter there was something with like rating cards, yeah. like or like these post this giant basket full yep. of postcards. What was going well, on there? Because it seemed like this guy and his coworker were sort of like yeah. Him or something. Yeah, they're 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 trying to get. If if you're not familiar with the way manga works in Japan, the, you have these little. These little rating cards, basically, and people will write in ranking which of the titles in, the, in each magazine is their favorite. And if your your, your title isn't doing very very well, series isn't doing very well, quite possibly could get cut, or or it will just you know kind of come to an end very quickly. 
Uh, and this... Do most people, like, do a lot of people fill out the cards, like, just every week or uh, month or whenever? I, I, guess, a, I guess a like, good enough number, of, a good enough amount of people do, because, I mean, publishers take this real seriously, and actually this is an example of that. Uh, so you, you do see this, this editor and, and his associate kind of take out cards so that his numbers are inflated. And you know that's going to keep <laughs> that's going to keep his work near the front page. He's going to going to get the, the the works that he's associated with on the cover more often than not. And and and, and he's 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 basically going to make a living for himself. You know he's going to he's going to be with the most well the quote unquote most popular title, the flagship title, and that's. So he's stolen the cards to skew the election. Exactly. So he's exactly. <laughs> And uh, like I said, you know, the dream doesn't end. You know, whose dream is this? Whose dream is this? Is this the dream of the reader, the dream of the creator, or the dream of the editor? I think that's going to be, you know, that's a theme that's going to be presented quite a bit in in, in this uh, in this manga. Okay, so volume two opens up with this woman who she ends up getting fired and flying uh-huh. home and rediscovering her love right. for manga. Is she just another editor? She was, an, yeah, she was, she was, or? she wasn't an editor. She was working at the publishing house, um, if I remember correctly. She was, but she, she, she was the ideal working woman at the at the publishing house. Uh, she was definitely very passionate about about manga, uh, and and there was, you know, that that was her reason d'etre to even be in that business in the first place. She uh, something went down. There was miscommunication. She was sent back. But once she was gone... <laughs> yeah, it's like Kambachi and his friends, they all try really hard to go after her and end up running a car into a ditch and a lot of ridiculous antics. Other, with her, they have that flashback where it flashes mm. back to her scene right. from her childhood where her and her friends are reading manga after school and they're all in tears because they're so moved by... I assume a character has died or something? <laughs> I don't even remember. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think I think the 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 point here is that obviously anybody and practically everybody has an association with manga, mm-hmm. and um, to be in a situation like she is, where she was obviously very passionate about this, um, but wasn't able to f- to really you know, fulfill her dreams. Here she's in a situation where she has to kind of reflect on what exactly she wanted those goals to be and the guys Ganpachi and the rest they, they saw it in her they didn't want her to, to, to go they didn't want her to give up on this they'll do whatever they t- whatever it takes basically to to make those make those manga dreams come true so right the next then the next few chapters deals with Ganpachi going to like it's not exactly comic yet is it it's like another manga yeah actually guess? yeah it's, it's it's a parody on comic yet okay yeah it's they, they go to uh, Tokyo Dome Mm-hmm. Remember, this is in the. Oh yeah, when is this, this taking place? This is in 1994. Okay. Uh, so it's you know it's about you know, yeah, 12, the, 13 years ago. Like the way the no. fashions are and so forth. It I don't know look earlier like 90, yeah. 92. <laughs> right. Someone's wearing a sweatshirt right. at one point and. You're right. So actually, if I remember correctly, it, I think Komaket was in Tokyo Dome back then, so or at least a little bit before then. So it's quite possible that they they are um, you know parroting 
that event. It's definitely, you know, a, a, a doujinshi convention. Right. And you know, Genpachi is experiencing this uh, firsthand for uh, for the first time, and, and it's 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 a mind blowing experience. At the same time, uh, he he does understand that there is a difference between the doujin artist and and the and the professional mangaka. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that I I noticed that towards the end of that little arc. He he struggles with it a little bit, but then he comes to you know he he proclaims that he doesn't give a shit you know what kind of comics you're making unless more unless people are actually reading the stuff you know that's the that's the only time it really matters and and obviously the only way you can really do that is by actually getting your books your books your books published. Oh, actually, I had I took pictures of some of those panels, but it didn't export for some reason. And how, why does he end up ripping it up? Uh, I think I think that was that that scene in particular. He was like, you know, doujinshi shmojinshi. You know, he want <laughs> <laughs> you know he wants he wants to he wants to see the stuff, the good stuff. He wants to see the real deal published. It's it's basically his war call. Uh, he, he's trying to he's trying to tell these people out there that there's a reason for people to make fan comics. Uh, but there's also a reason why people, so many people, read published uh, manga as well. Okay, so then he ends up apologizing to the entire convention over the big screen. What's going on there? He seems to have offended yeah. everyone at the con. Like they're throwing things at him. Well, of course. I mean, if you if 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 you make such a such a claim in front of in front of fans, uh-huh. obviously, like he is. I mean, he's he's definitely a fan. Uh, there, you know, there's no doubt about that. He 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 just doesn't. You know, being new to all of this, it, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily understand the the impact. Uh, so what he does is he he does apologize to, to to people, but he also lets them know that they they do have something in common. If it weren't for those original properties, not likely that many of the people who were around uh, would even be there. They they would not be parodying the, these 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 titles. They'd have to create ideas of their own, and that's basically you know his challenge. His challenge is to get these artists, get these people to read you know, that published manga, those original properties that uh, that you know inspire so much energy and so much excitement. And then later, he, okay, so what's the deal at the end of the? Sorry, a lot of my questions are probably not really relevant in a review capacity, but it's like since I. Can't actually read Japanese. Right. <laughs> Trouble following the story. So in the last part of the book, he—he's it's like he's apologizing to the glasses editor guy, and he's bowing, and the guy crushes his head into the ground. <laughs> and the next thing you know, Gampachi's like waiting in an empty room for until midnight when a bunch uh-huh. of artists show up. What's going on huh. there? Is he starting his own business? Oh, actually, I didn't read that far. Really? Oh no. So, so yeah. <laughs> Like spoilers. How many volumes uh, is this series anyway? The original print was uh, 16 volumes long. Okay. And the bunko print that you have, uh, 10 volumes. Do they and, uh, yeah. put several volumes into one book or something? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're condensed. So in, in just a regular print, you'll get around 200, maybe 210, 210 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the bunko bong that you've got, you get around 300 or so, if I remember correctly. So yeah, this manga ran from 1994 to 1997. L- l- looked like uh, it definitely struck a chord with with, uh, with a good number of people, including the person who, who informed you of this title. Uh, <laughs> I may have heard know, about this from Cawhorn. Yeah, yeah, a king of editors himself. Like that might have happened, and, and he's, it's kind and of bizarre. Where I think he just kind of offhandedly mentioned it, like he mm. had heard about it and really wanted to read it. And I kind of wrote it down, mm-hmm. and 
where I've taken notes at many different panels, like, oh, that sounds like something I'd be interested in as well. Uh-huh. Now, uh, you know, I kind of, kind of, kind of want to ask you a couple of questions. But what, I mean, obviously, you're not able to read the book, but I mean, you're able to flip through it. What, what kind of, you know, what kind of imagery, what kind of, you know, what kind of ideas came into your mind when you were going through the saddle? Obviously, the, the, the initial readers weren't necessarily intended for someone like yourself, uh-huh. um, possibly more like more like Noah and myself. But were you able to understand some of the some of the themes that were going on, and, and were you able to relate to any of these characters in any way? Well, or? I think it, the plot was like surprisingly clear, even without having to read much of the text. It's right. sort of laid out if you pay attention to the pictures. So I could actually get a surprising amount out of the story. I mean, then it, there's just sort of points of confusion, like. What is actually happening in the scene, and how are these people mm. related to each other? And is that that guy from right. earlier? But eh, it's not. I did get a lot of it. But if, when you say it's more intended for Noah and yourself, do you just mean it's meant for guys, basically, right? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, mature readers are mature readers, so I guess you know you would qualify. There's even something as far as the aesthetic that, about this. You know, the characters are drawn with. You know, they are caricatured in a way, but there is a little bit more realism uh-huh. to them than you would see in shoujo and, and Jose titles. And obviously, the things like the mampu, the visual effects, the sound effects, paneling is really, really intense at times. The paneling is intense. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, just looking at some of some of the some of the panels, you know, there's there seems to be quite a bit of well, they seem to be pretty active in some ways, often leading your eye to you know, specific parts of the page where you'd get, like, maximum emotion or, or moe. I don't know. Uh, like, for me, it, mm, I mean, there are a lot of, like, kind of splash pages at, like, these unexpected points. Like, mm. I don't think in in yeah. American comic or in, a, like, a comic for younger readers, you would get a splash page of someone crying on the phone, necessarily. <laughs> but it, when it comes to, like, the intense panel layouts. I think the panels are very—they're very square all the time, and everything is within mm-hmm. is within these lines. Right. And it's definitely exactly. not the same feel that I get. Like I was reading Swan this morning. It's right. like when I think of like an intense panel layout, I think more like this Swan type thing where uh, people are bleeding out of one panel and into the next, right. and their emotions are so intense that it's, it's breaking through uh, you know square right. boundaries. It, it doesn't necessarily happen that way so much anymore, but in right. Swan, it's definitely happening in its intense 70s way. Right. So I think the feelings of the characters are really coming through on the page, mm. but I don't really know that the panels themselves are laid out. Right. I think the intense emotion of the characters is coming through, but right. the layout isn't really what I'd call mm. super intense. I guess the mm. way the inks are very dark, and right. it's another thing about there's not a whole bunch of toning it's more right like it's just all yeah it's all ink right and, and like speed lines and stress lines are, are all drawn in to uh, guide your eyes yeah. to certain to certain locations yeah and actually that's a good point about about busting out a panel you don't necessarily see that much in this and actually that's something you you don't see a lot of in seinen manga uh, it really depends on if it's an action title or not uh, yeah something like monster or things like that it's much more restrained within mm-hmm, the panel mm-hmm but I think the story that they're telling, in terms of it being for guys or not, I don't know. It's kind of it's a universal sort of thing. Like even mm-hmm. if it wasn't about manga, I could see where if it was just kind of about a different sort of business. It's just stories about people who are they have to remember their original passion, mm-hmm. and why they got into this in the first place. Right. Or even in a story about sports, right. they definitely it's the same sort of thing. It's like oh, well, 
I play baseball to begin with, it's because I really love baseball, or even like in Swan or something, where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm in this for the love of ballet, right. that kind of thing. Right. So I don't really think it's that well, the themes are different. Just- I think I could go for any either gender, but then I read a lot of things that aren't intended for girls, really. Right. I don't know. Maybe it just doesn't affect me in the same way. <laughs> but then a lot of girls will read titles that are intended for guys. Mm-hmm. And it's, it goes the same way for TV and movies where right. and little kids' cartoons, where right. girls will watch shows that are clearly intended for guys. But right. it doesn't go the other way. Guys will be very hesitant to watch right. or read things that are intended strictly for girls. Mm. So it's how you get, you know, Shonen Jump, like, a little less than half of the subscribers are female. Right. Which is true in Japan and also here. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've found the numbers are skewed a bit differently with something like Shoujo Beat, right. where it is mostly girls reading it. Well, mostly, yeah, exactly. Do you, th- do you think something like this would work out in the West, though? I mean, you know, now we talk about you know, whether guys or girls would be able to read it. Do you think readers in, like, America or Europe would be able to relate to, to these characters or, or, or the story? I mean, this isn't necessarily what you end up seeing you know, printed in anything maybe outside of pulp or something. Obviously, the themes are, are very similar to what you'll see in a lot of manga. You know, there is no action, and, and these characters are, you know, they're basically office workers. Right. Um, you know, do, do, do you think people want to read what could essentially just be a sitcom, what they can see on kind of like on TV, and then commit to 10 or 16 volumes? I don't know about 10 or 16 volumes, but it was something that kind of came up at New York Comic Con where one of the comic book store owner guys was like, I would like to see a comic that's like The Office. Mm-hmm. That was an incredibly successful show, and there's that demographic of people who are older readers who would like to read about older characters who are not in junior high or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in particular, particularly guys, I could see it doing okay, but it's sort of, it is it is a big risk because there isn't really a lot of, like, salaryman manga here at the moment. Yeah. I don't know that that's a field that is going anywhere just now. Yeah. Maybe in the future. But it just sort of fits in with my obsession at the moment where it's sort of like, I'm, I don't know, like meeting all these people who work in publishing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sort of interested right now about what exactly it is that editors do. Right. It's not, I'm not actually very sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not the field that I have worked in right. previously. So I'm not actually that familiar with it. But I also I have this kind of personal obsession with the people behind the scenes. And it's sort of like working in film and television, mm-hmm. in the film and television world. Mm-hmm. It's not, for me, like, the people who are most interesting are not the people on camera. It, right. I'm not actually interested in the stars of movies, right. but I am interested in the directors. And now, having worked on a TV show, I really realize how much someone like the producer of a show can be right. influential and important in the way that, right. like, the editor of a comic can be. Yeah, where yeah. they're there to tell the editor, or they're there to tell the author, hey, maybe that's a bad idea, or I don't really think we should go in that direction necessarily or you know I really like this one thing and they have it they have that kind of way where they can step in early on Mm -hmm. before anything is published or goes to print and really shape things Mm -hmm. in a way that's important I think when like you know when you get a director like George Lucas or something where someone becomes so successful that no one will say no to them right exactly everything can just turn to crap like no one wants to say that sounds like a bad idea to someone who's like a super successful legend because yeah. what do you know right. if you're just some producer guy well, are you going to be like yeah. no that's a bad idea right. Mr. Lucas but I think you know his most recent Star Wars films sort of borne out that you need someone there early on to be like 
no, that's crazy. You need, you need, this page is, this scene is horrible, right. or this page is stupid, or for God's sake, rewrite this dialogue. Right. You need a Ganpachi, basically. Right. right. Someone like Ganpachi, who's not going to hold back, who's going to be like, this sucks, fix it. <laughs> I'm going to rip this up right in front of you, throw it in your face. <laughs> Which, that's a bit extreme. <laughs> I don't know how any artist would react to that in, uh, at American Con. That would be interesting. See this most recent issue of whatever, Superman? It sucks. <laughs> Yep. Uh, yeah, I kind of wonder who would read something like this. I mean, anywhere, really. I mean, even... <laughs> who read it in Japan? Yeah, right? you know. I, I almost feel as if it was like a like an extended inside joke, almost. That's kind of what I get when I look at the at the covers for the um, Bunko Bowl, you know, the uh-huh. ones that you have. If you look at yeah. those, and they're definitely parroting just the fact that manga is so... It can be anything, basically. So you have you, these covers are ridiculous. This cover has like it has Gumbachi, but he's in his box. Exactly, area. yeah. And then there's a chick in the bottom left who's in some crazy magical graphic. Yeah. Who doesn't appear in this volume at all? Right. Actually, that character is from the manga that the guy who was crying was <laughs> created. So it's supposed to be really yeah. popular. It's called Blue Sailor Moon. Oh. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's 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 a character from 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 that from that series. <laughs> I don't know why it's out there, but uh, you know that image of Ganpachi as as a boxer definitely um, brings out some type of, of, of feelings. I mean, when I ended up picking it up, I didn't really realize that this was King of Publishers until I looked at the title. Uh, I just saw the the cover and I was like, why does it say Ashita no Joe on the top? Why is why does it say Sailor Moon? You know, above the the title. And in, in, in Kana, they're, they're making fun of that. They're making, they're, but they're also you know making a homage to that at the same time. And then you can see that continues onto Volume Two, where you have yeah, it has the it has the protagonist of this volume in like junior high outfit exactly, and then uh, a dude in like some kind of karate or martial arts. Who is that guy? Is he even in this story? Karate love sketch. Honogara Sayori. I have no idea. <laughs> that guy might just. That guy might be another character from a from from a burning sports manga. At least that's what that's what Karate Love Sketch is. Maybe he shows up in volume three. Maybe or maybe that's like a character from another manga that was uh, featured in King of Editors. Maybe. Yeah, I have no idea. But, but yes, the covers are trying to trick you. I don't. I don't think it's the. It's not a mistake. Yeah. It seems like now I've heard someone else, or I read about this somewhere else, not just at the Carl Horn panel, mm. because I've heard of the Blue Sailor Moon thing and someone saying that it was a parody of, who knows, but I have heard someone else describe essentially part of what happens in Volume 1, or that it was loosely based around some real Edward's <laughs> life or something. Did you go to Wizard World or something this weekend? To WonderCon? Yep. WonderCon. Wizard World, WonderCon. You know, they're all the same. Are you really tired then? Not really. I mean, it was one of those events where really manga wasn't really the focus of this thing at all. Um, So there was less to do? Yeah, that was a, it was a real lot less to do. CMX was there, Dark Horse was there, uh, Viz, and that was pretty much it. Uh, there were you know, there were a handful of vendors that were selling manga. Actually, there was this great uh, hentai vendor there, and <laughs> and uh, they had a bunch of dojinshi, and they had they had a couple boxes of just Edo manga. But the cool thing about what they had in these boxes 
mm-hmm. was uh, they had a lot of stuff from like mainstream mangaka. For example, uh, you know, they had a bunch of Ogrates, uh, hentai. Uh, they had some some stuff from uh, the guy who did the comic party manga. Uh, oh, okay. Inui Sekihiko. Uh, who occasionally goes back to do to drawing hentai and occasionally goes back to to drawing mainstream stuff. He he still does doujins as well. So and uh, oh oh and and they had this really crazy huge book which I have like right right next to me right now. 800 pages worth of Transformers manga <laughs> that was it's written. Be a big seller. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly think it would be. I mean, this thing is like it's it's almost like 700 pages. It's got all this omake at the end. It's this huge, huge wide bond, and it is so retro. It's un- it's unbelievable. I mean, the 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 camp element it's, is just crazy. It, it it's the real thing. It's not. Oh yeah. No no no. It's the real thing. No no. It's yeah. it's professional. Yeah yeah. And it, and it was it was collected by this. Really random publisher um, called um, Taiyo Pub, uh-huh. uh, and right now the only thing that P- Taiyo Publishing releases, well, but n- I'd say 95% of what they release now is is Boys Love, so it's kind of funny to see that they released this, you know, just three years ago for all the uh, Transformer freaks out there. Transformers the comics it basically chronicles when the Transformers end up coming to Earth and their their relations with this. You know, average Japanese boy. I see. My friends are kind of torn about the uh, Transformers movie trailer, where half of my friends who are not giant Transformers fans are like, oh, it's very exciting, and that's such a cool trailer, and blah, blah. And half who kind of are hardcore Transformers fans mm-hmm. are like, the trailer just, that's totally not canon. Oh, God, that's not how they came to Earth. Oh, it's going to be terrible. They should possibly read this, I mean, just flip through this manga. I'm pretty sure they'll have a have a hoot. I mean, this thing is, hor- it's horrible. It is, I mean, you, that's the only way to describe it. The art is, is ridiculous. The, the writing is, does it's it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay. Uh, but but the the character designs are there, and it's it's ba- it's basically you know obvi- obviously the Decepticons versus Autotrons, right, or whatever they were called. Uh, oh, the Autobots. Yeah, the Autobots, uh, and obviously those weren't the uh, names used in Japan. I think they were called the Cyberbots and the uh, and the Decepticons, actually, uh, the Cybertrons and the Decepticons. It's it's literally a battle between East versus West. Like the Decepticons landed in Japan, and the Autobots landed in America, and the Americans are now here to save Japan. <laughs> was it in the eighties? It was in the eighties, yeah. Okay. Like 1980, 1985 is when the first series. There's like they, they collected about seven different properties in this big ass book, so. I might I yeah. might actually mail it to you so we can do one of these just on this <laughs> on Transformers. Yeah. Although I've heard it as soon as you talk about Transformers on your podcast, you get hundreds of emails of people <laughs> telling you that, that you're wrong. Oh, of course you're wrong. I you mean, even World Order, like if, they made some offhanded Transformers comment that only a couple of seconds, and they've gotten more email about that one thing than anything right. else about one factual error. Right. 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 You don't want to tr- touch Transformers random.